I'm Lynn Harder, host of Defining Moments, a podcast produced by WOUB Public Media. Humans are storytellers. We tell stories to make sense of birthing and dying and everything in between. This podcast features stories about health and healing. It grew out of my desire to disrupt the silence that too often surrounds vulnerability. Join me as guests and I explore what it means to live well in the midst of inescapable illness and hardship. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Erin Willer. Erin is an associate professor in the Department of Communication Studies at the University of Denver. She uses art and storytelling to foster healing among families facing hardship. She's worked with individuals of all ages, ranging from elementary school through retirement. Among other projects, she's founder and director of Scraps of the Heart. Scraps of the Heart includes creative workshops for couples facing baby loss and other challenges like infertility. In this episode, we're talking with Erin about this project and her recent article in Health Communication that reveals the personal story behind it. Thank you, Erin, for the essay you penned. You write with raw honesty about your experience of motherhood in the face of pregnancy challenges and the death of your son, Milo. Your story is a real gift to readers, as is your presence today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor, and I'm so um, excited to share my work and my stories with you. Mm. Let's start, Erin, with the Scraps of the Heart Project. Generally speaking, Scraps of the Heart creates space for participants to process and grieve the loss of their babies through creative arts. Let's beg, let's dig just a little deeper. Can you talk to listeners and I about the goals of the Scraps of the Heart Project and, and what you hope to accomplish? Yes, thank you. So our goal from the beginning was twofold. So the first one was to work with bereaved parents who had experienced the loss of a baby in an effort to empower them. So we really wanted to make space for their grieving to um, be able to live and for them to process it, given that oftentimes in the midst of losing a baby, because it's such a silenced issue, they don't really have a place where they can let their grief out and let their babies out, so to speak. And so we really wanted to work with them. So not necessarily to come along and save them from their suffering, but to become partners with them. And this then was grounded in what is called a community action-based research model. So we invited the parents along at along as researchers with us. So it's really a collaborative effort. So not only are we engaged in these workshops and working together to empower the families, but we're also engaged in the research process and coming to understand what's happening in the workshops alongside the parents So that was the first goal. And then the second goal of the project is to educate communities about baby loss. So again, because it's such a silenced issue, people often grieve on their own. They often feel isolated. Oftentimes, people don't really have an understanding of what it's like, and unfortunately, the misunderstanding often leads to miscommunication and having a hard time being supportive of those who have experienced um, losses, whether those be early trimester losses, such as miscarriage, all the way up to um, losses such as stillbirths and neonatal death. And so, you know, the goal of the artwork that we were working on, that the collaborative was working on, was to allow people to see what the experience of baby loss 
is like. So um, it's through art that people come to understand and to empathize and hopefully to communicate in more compassionate ways. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like in Scraps of the Heart, you both create this incubator of sorts Mm -hmm. for stories that then can be shared. Yes. So I actually love the incubator metaphor because it is closely tied to babies and birth and this place where a baby is put when they have challenges and it's in the incubator where they're given the tools to survive and I like to think of the Scraps of the Heart Project as this incubator where babies who don't get to live, their stories are given the tools to survive and to live despite the fact that the babies are dead. Mm. What a gift you offer to parents and to community members who might not otherwise understand what that experience is like. Erin, I I know based on our conversations Mm -hmm. and also based on your recent essay in health communication that Scraps of the Heart is both professional and personal for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you invite listeners and I into kind of the personal story of loss that led you to create this? Yes. Thank you. So Mm -hmm. this is a project that is grounded in my own personal experiences. I, um, about 10 years ago, well, 10, 11 years ago, was in graduate school nearing the end and wanted to start trying to have pregnant and start my family and right away was experiencing some infertility challenges. And um, so my husband, Mark, and I, um, not too long after realizing that it was going to be difficult, started going through infertility treatment. And um, it's such a hard Infertility is such a hard thing to go through, particularly for people who have a great need for control and (laughs) like to work hard to get outcomes because it's often an uncontrollable and unknown situation. Mm. Um, And so that was part of the real struggle for me is just not being able to be in control, not being able to work hard to get a baby in the end. Um, And so we started going through infertility treatment and went through in vitro fertilization and thought that, you know, after a couple of really long years and a lot of heartache that we were finally going to get our baby that we had dreamed about. Um, So through that first cycle of IVF, got pregnant and ended up having a miscarriage at about nine weeks. And it really just rocked both of our worlds. Uh, um, Despite knowing that Um, many pregnancies and in that first trimester, given all we had been through at that time, we just didn't, it didn't cross our minds or perhaps we didn't allow it to really sink in that that was a possibility for us. And, you know, we had heard the heartbeat the first time and thought we were in the clear and um, at our ultrasound at nine weeks, Um, realized that there was no longer a heartbeat. So during, during all of that and trying to get my mind around all of it, um, my mom was visiting from, visiting from Arizona and it was the holidays and 
um, the miscarriage had happened in October. And so it was still just so fresh. And she was visiting and I had a few artifacts. And so things like a couple of ultrasound pictures. And I had wrote a blog for our friends and family as we were going through the process. And uh, we had gone to a candlelight service. So I had this program. So just a few things um, that I, I really wanted to put together in some way. And so I asked my mom if she wanted to help me make a scrapbook and we called the the baby our baby or OB for short. Um, mm. And so we, I had never made a scrapbook before. I always um, had this perception that, you know, I, I am not a scrapbooker. <laughs> I don't do that kind of, I don't do that. Um, that uh, I, I think, you know, now I know I, I don't think this way at all, but at the time I think I thought that that was um, maybe not real art. Mm. And, but I, I really liked the idea of it because as a narrative scholar, I can see now that the scrapbook is this beautiful space to create a story. Mm -hmm. And it was a way to create a story for a baby that didn't have one. And I had just these few items to put into it. And so my mom and I, you know, worked the whole, her whole visit on this scrapbook and it became our baby. It became what we had instead of having our baby in our arms. So it not only became a way for my husband, Mark, and me to know that our experience was real, but it also became a way for us to show other people, look, this was real to us. And this is the reason why we're so sad, despite the fact that our baby only um, was alive for nine weeks. And given that I am a researcher and teacher who focuses on interpersonal family and health communication, I started to think, wow, if this experience was so powerful for me, um, how might I be able to bring this to life for other people? And so that's how the idea for Scraps of the Heart was born. Um, and so, you know, I set out to figure out how to bring it to reality. I knew I would need some money. Um, so started applying for grants and that kind of thing. Um, it was. It took us a little bit of time to get it off the ground um, because I had several other losses um, after that, including another miscarriage, um, and then the death of Milo, my daughter Matilda's brother, and then a surprise pregnancy. Uh, so there was a lot going on um, <laughs> between the conception of the idea and actually carrying it, carrying it out. So, you know, once we finally got going, we started doing scrapbooks with parents. And what we realized pretty quickly is that the scrapbook model is a little bit difficult for parents who have lost a baby because they have this idea of what a living baby scrapbook looks like. Um, and when you don't have the mementos and things to put in it um, that a living baby has, that can be tricky. Um, and so we started thinking about, well, how could we, um, how could we modify this to make it more meaningful? And that's really where the idea for having multiple kinds of art projects came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron, when I hear you, I'm reminded of Brene Brown's argument mm -hmm. that vulnerability is a birthplace for creativity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You live that as much as anybody 
I know. Thanks. Thank you. I, you know, I think that it has been one of the greatest gifts of my story and in my um, health communication essay at the beginning, I talk about how I hid my vulnerability from my students and from most of the people in my life for a long time. Um, I didn't want to tell people that we were having a hard time getting pregnant. I didn't want to tell people about I've going through IVF because I didn't want to have to keep retelling the story. Um, and that model was not working for me. And so when I started to let go of that and share my story and be proud of my story and not worry about people feeling bad for me or saying the wrong thing, I feel like I really started to become who I am today. And so, yeah, it's, it's been an incredible gift to, to be vulnerable for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to when I first met you, Erin, mm-hmm. was at the National Communication Association Doctoral Honors Seminar. Mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I think that was maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah, it had to be maybe in 2008-ish, maybe. Right. So yeah. right around that same time. And mm-hmm. and I would I had no idea some of the things that you were experiencing. Um, yeah. What I did know about you is this is a young scholar who is going mm-hmm. to transform the way oh, that we you. think, right? And thank you. your work really does speak to the potential therapeutic benefits of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that all storytelling is therapeutic. Sure. But I think that we can cultivate conditions under which it is. And, and mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. Yeah. It's beautiful. So a core activity of Scraps of the Heart, as I understand it, is a six-session creative workshop. And the mm-hmm. workshop's free to participants. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through what a typical workshop looks like? Yes. So um, we would always start with, uh, we'd have a table set up with um, a nice tablecloth and there would be candles. And we welcomed the participants to come in um, and light a candle for their baby if they wanted to. They were also welcome to bring in any artifacts that they had um, in order to make a space for their baby at the workshop. So sometimes people would bring pictures of their babies or some would bring stuffed animals and they would just be there on the table um, as a way, again, of just welcoming and then just a way of transitioning from, you know, getting getting to the workshop and actually being there. Um, and then before really digging in, we would have an opening meditation. And typically the meditation would go like this. I breathe in my baby and my grief. And then we take a deep breath in. And then we breathe out and... The mantra is, I breathe out my baby and Mm. my grief. Mm. So the idea that we are together allowing, again, and making space for our babies to be in us. And then on that out breath, making the space for our grief and our babies to um, be held by one another. Um, Mm. And then we would do check-ins just very briefly again as a way of of transitioning into the space and then the heart of the workshops were arts-based activities that were grounded in you know narrative arts-based methods focusing specifically on allowing the parents to um 
create a memory, establish an identity for them, for their babies. Uh, Sometimes we were focusing on forgiveness of the self and forgiveness of others, Um, kind of um, being able to invoke some hope as well. So to give you a sense of some of the activities, uh, one of the ones we did was making what we what we called little pumpkin baskets. Mm. So at the beginning of one of the workshops in the fall, um, you know, the, the, the switch of seasons can be particularly hard for people who are grieving. So in the fall, you know, things are starting to get brown and, uh, you know, and our plants are beginning to die and it's starting to get a little bit gloomier and Halloween can be really hard for those who have lost a baby because of course we're thinking about what our little baby would have dressed up like and how cute they would have been and how we won't get to have a pumpkin out for them this year. So the little pumpkin baskets, we had a number of different baskets that the parents could choose from and a bunch of different kinds of pumpkins. And then uh, we invited them to decorate the pumpkin basket in order to represent their story of loss. And so many of them... Um, use the pumpkins to represent different members of their families. Um, Or they use the basket as a metaphor for the baby's room. And inside the basket were all of the different aspects of the baby's identity that were represented with pumpkins. So um, Mm. it's through that, um, you know, being able to visually see that the parents can begin to start to make sense. Um, Other activities that we did, we made Mother's Day wire necklaces that, you know, some of the parents wrote, used, or um, turned the wire into the word mom or their baby's name. Uh, I have one great story of one of the moms had made a, um, her wire necklace, she did it like a heartbeat. So you know how, you know, a visual representation of the heartbeat is like the lines that go up and down. Mm, Like an EKG? Yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. So the, yeah, the little lines are going up and down. Or even when a mother is hooked up, to all of the machines and you know there's mm-hmm, the measure mm-hmm. her heartbeat the baby's heartbeat so she did um her wire necklace in that kind of shape and it had a heart in the middle and she was wearing her necklace out and about one day and it had flipped upside down and a friend said, oh, I love your mom necklace. So in the flipping of the necklace upside down, it turned into the word mom. Mm. And so I love this story because it really shows how, you know, this visual piece of art is a way for the parents to um, claim who they are as parents, for others to see who they are, and for them to have a conversation about it. Um, Mm -hmm. That's just powerful. Yeah, so powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did body mapping. We did grief yoga. We had a birthday or birth date party. Um, A lot of times the baby's birthday or the day that they are due is a really difficult day to get through. Um, and so we decided in one of our groups that we were going to have a party and the parents brought in gift bags for one another and food to celebrate. And then we decorated cupcakes, um, both those that represented the difficult challenges of losing our babies. And then another cupcake that was a celebration 
So yeah, those are the kinds of like the heart, uh, like the Mm -hmm, art based mm -hmm. piece. And what's really important or after, you know, making those things is allowing space for them to talk through why they made what they made. So with those pumpkin baskets that I mentioned, giving each parent an opportunity to share their story by sharing their basket. And that's where they can give language to their story. So it's like the art is the first step to try to get their minds around it. And then it's through the talking out and explaining that things start to become more and more clear to them as well as to the all of the workshop participants. Mm-hmm. So the art is a scaffold of sorts. Yes. Sparks mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Part of the the power in what you're doing is that you're also involving students, both undergraduates mm-hmm. and graduate students at University of Denver in this work. Um, how have you integrated Scraps of the Heart in the classes that you teach? Yes. So um, as I mentioned um, before in terms of when we were trying to figure out how to bring Scraps of the Heart to life um, and how we were going to get some money to do that, the first service learning project that we did was with an undergraduate class in a course I teach called Visual Narratives of Women's Health. So the focus of that class is on women's health issues, but also narrative and arts-based methods for understanding people's experiences, health-related experiences. And so the service learning we pro- the service learning project that we did was that, the students had, we had a whole panel of parents who came in who talked about their experiences with baby loss so that the students could really, you know, we were reading articles, of course, about it, but there's nothing like getting to hear a mother or father tell about the experience of their baby dying. Um, Mm. And so from there, the students, as they were learning about narrative and arts-based methods, their assignment was to create short videos that would serve as a way to persuade people to donate to a crowdfunding campaign that would contribute to the Scraps of the Heart project. So Mm. the students had to create essentially a story um, in the form of a video that would be really ephemeral and would really get people excited about Scraps of the Heart Project. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we had maybe five videos that we shared as we were hosting the crowdfunding campaign, and they were just a really great way for the students to feel like they were really contributing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've had yeah. other students do different projects, like mm-hmm. create a line of greeting cards mm-hmm. based on, on your work, or the children's book, which, by the way, I just downloaded on yeah. my Amazon Kindle. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> can you talk to us a little bit about those other projects that have really yielded yeah products that can help other people, even those not directly involved in the workshops? Yes. So our line of greeting cards stemmed from um, something that seemed to be happening in the Scraps of the Heart workshops. We were spending a significant amount of time talking about the hurtful things that other people would say to us in their effort to support us. Um, And again, to no fault of their own, people for the most part are drawing on these cultural scripts of what they think that people who are grieving want to hear. um, Mm. And they just don't understand that some things are not helpful. 
And if are you familiar with um, Emily McDowell's empathy cards? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, those were first coming out. And so in the workshops, we were like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if we could do something like that for baby loss? And so that's where the idea was born. And then also at that time, one of my graduate students, April Samaris, she has, has a daughter, Ani, who um, died in 2007 after being diagnosed with a brain tumor. And um, she was coming, and she's also involved in the Scraps of the Heart Project, and she was coming up on her Ani's 10-year anniversary, so she had been gone for 10 years, and um, some of the other graduate students and Scraps of the Heart Project members and I were really wanting to do something that would mark this time for April and celebrate Ani, and so we decided that we would do the cards in honor, in honor of Ani mm. in our health communication seminar that year. So what we did is we interviewed family members who had experienced the loss of a baby about the most hurtful messages that they had ever received following their loss, as well as the most compassionate messages that they had ever received. And then we analyzed those for different themes and brainstormed ideas for what the cards should say. So what is it that is actually helpful when people experience the loss of a baby? And um, in the class, we, you know, brainstormed those ideas. We also, the students wanted the cards to be called something that would honor Ani. And April has this great story about how, when Ani was little, you know, going through her cancer treatments, um, she'd play the guitar, she'd wear her Janis Joplin glasses. <laughs> and one time the family was talking about her, but she was, you know, right in the room. And she chimes in, hey, I came to live out loud. Um, so it was her way of saying, Hey, I'm right here. I can hear what you're saying. And so the students decided to call the cards live out loud grieving cards. Um, so from there, you know, taking the students ideas, um, after the quarter was over, I drew the cards and then one of my graduate students, Kate Hoyt, digitized them and, now we have them available for free for people to download from the Scraps of the Heart website. Hmm. And that website is scrapsoftheheart.com? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. And listeners can also download on Kindle your children's book, Help mm-hmm. Me Remember, a yeah. storybook for children and families coping with the death of a baby. Yes. Again, another really interesting narrative artifact to emerge from your listening to the stories of others. Yes, yes. So the book was also a part of a service learning project that we did with the nonprofit organization Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. And their main program that they offer is Um, When a family experiences the death of a baby in the hospital, a professional photographer will go to the hospital and take pictures for the family. Um, And then another arm of Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep is that they host a remembrance walk every year. And we worked with them um, at their walk where they had a booth called Drawings from the Heart. And this was a place where kids would come at the start of the Remembrance Walk before the program really got going, and they would draw a picture in honor of their baby who they were there 
um, at the walk remembering that day. And so in that class that quarter, our main focus or the student service learning was surrounding how to support kids who are in families where a baby has died. And mm. it um, can be really tricky for parents to support kids because, you know, they're going through their own emotions and struggling and trying to make it through themselves. And sometimes they aren't sure how they can support kids or some might feel like they should hide their grief or not bring the loss up. Um, with their children to try to protect them from it. But what we know from research is that can actually exacerbate children's grief and suffering. And so the students decided that they wanted to create something that would um, share with families what are some strategies that you can actually do in order to support children. And so they created this book that follows the main character whose name is Jonathan and Jonathan is looking for friends to play with and throughout the book he stops by a number of different friends houses and all of the kids um, aren't able to come out and play because they are actually at home working on um, effectively coping with the loss of a sibling in their family. Mm. So for example, um, Tomas is at home with his family and they are hanging up a picture of his baby sister. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. Shelby is at home and she's writing a letter to her baby brother and Daryl and his moms are going to a remembrance walk where they later meet up with all of the characters in the book. Mm. Um, we also really wanted the book to be inclusive of many types of families. So it includes people of color, it includes um, a lesbian couple, and this was particularly important because people from non-majority standpoints historically have higher rates of infant mortality and unfortunately fewer access to resources to support them through their grieving. Mm. So we really wanted it to be a book that a number of different people could identify with and that would be a great resource um, for many families. Hi folks, Lynn breaking in for just a second. We've been talking to Dr. Erin Willer about the Scraps of the Heart Project. Scraps of the Heart uses art in helping parents face infertility and baby loss. You can learn more about this effort online at scrapsoftheheart.com. Again, the website is scrapsoftheheart.com. If you'd like to read some of Erin's work, I encourage you to go to the Defining Moments Facebook page at DM Podcast WOUB. There's a link to the article we've been discussing and other resources. Okay, back to our conversation. I am absolutely inspired at the creation of evidence-based coping strategies in narrative form and that you've done this with your students, right? Mm -hmm. They are walking along you, uh, alongside you on this journey and they're getting to learn by, by, do, by doing. Yeah. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. And you've also invited your daughter Matilda to be a yeah. part of this work, right? Talk to us about yes. the studio that you've created with Matilda and and some of the social justice work you're doing with her. Yeah, so um, I, you know, my story of loss is really like 
10 years long, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and what I wasn't prepared for was how difficult motherhood was going to be once I finally had my babies in my arms and, you know, adjusting to being a mom alongside my grieving was really difficult and still is difficult to this day. Um, Matilda is six and then my son Theo is four. And I am somebody who really loves to work. And I had to really adjust to how my work time would be limited um, through being a mom. You know, there's sick days and then there's holidays and, you know, things you just can't, you don't really anticipate when you're in the thick of your grief. You just want to get your baby here. Right. (laughs) And also... You know, um, I didn't really think about those days of struggle and what it was going to be like to, um, you know, do the things about being a mom that really aren't fun, like arguing day after day after day and trying to convince somebody to stay in their bed at night. (laughs) and so, you know, I'm, I was struggling with all of, of this. And, um, at the same time I was trying, so I was trying to figure out ways like, how do I be with my kids in a way that allows me to work and also be present as a mother and not feel so divided And so I started to figure out that if I could get Matilda to sit down and do artwork and we could do it together, that I was, um, you know, I was, I was feeling fulfilled in multiple ways. Um, At the same time, I was teaching my course on empathy and compassion. And we have a unit in that class where we talk about children and empathy and compassion. And I was starting to think about, wow, how am I going to ensure that my kids are developing these empathy skills that are so important um, in the long run? And also, I am trying at this time, trying to figure out how to give myself a little bit of a break because while Scraps of the Heart has been some of the most meaningful work that I have done in my life. It, I, also, I did so much of it with the workshops and the service learning projects in such a short amount of time that I was really starting to feel burnt out. So I've got all of this that's kind of swimming around. I really wanted to develop some sort of art practice that was meaningful for, for me. And again, an idea was born. Um, so Matilda and I, I was the room parent in her classroom and we needed to make a card for the families to sign for one of her teachers. And we needed to have it by the next day. And I'm like, Oh, Matilda, let's make this card together. Um, And we made this wonderful card, and I told her that we were playing Maddie Plum Studio. Her her name is Matilda Plum. And it was like we both had the most fun. And then it just took off from there. People in our life would um, be going through difficulties like a a dog would die or they would get hurt. Um, And we would make an artwork or make a card for them and – what I started to do is in that space of making the artwork with her, I would talk to her about, well, what do you think it's like for this person? What do you think they're going through? How, how do they feel? And I realized that, well, I'm trying to step away and take a break from all of this work. I'm always a teacher at home with her, here I am teaching her at work. You know, I obviously am doing my teaching, but it's really, 
it seems like I feel the most fulfilled when I get to be all of who I am. Mm -hmm. So rather than only doing work in the office or in the classroom, thinking about how I can do my work at home with her. So um, the project, you know, doing the artwork with her took off and uh, we've we've done a, a number of different pieces uh, that you can, if, if listeners are interested, you can search on Instagram at hashtag Maddie Plum Studio. Um, I have them all linked there. Um, but we do things like um, my sister's father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. And so he, we made him this card with an IV that was dripping hope, strength, faith, and peace into a heart. Mm. Uh, and when we put together a chemotherapy care package with him, for him, um, when Hurricane Harvey hit, we made this piece that it's the state of Texas and it's got all of these water drops that are taken from a number of different art pieces of Matilda's, um, and it, and it, um, it, it says, may uh, deep hearts be the biggest thing in Texas. And we mm. auctioned that off um, for $300 and, and gave it to the organization Undies for everyone. Um, and then today, it, I've expanded it a bit. I currently am serving as the artist-in-residence at Montessori Academy of Colorado, where I have done lessons with the elementary students on empathy related to difficult challenges that kids go through. So we have talked about things like grief and loss and friendship challenges and what it's like to be unique or different and talking about how we can communicate with kids who are struggling in order to be supportive. And the project, each of those lessons has contributed to another line of greeting cards that are for kids who are going through hard times. And so we just launched um, launched the cards last week and started selling print copies of those and have orders out and we're just so excited to see that project getting its its wings as well. Mm. It sounds like it would be a really great complement to anti-bullying curriculum. Yeah, for sure. Systems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My daughter is graduating from high school uh, in a week, Erin. <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. Long days, short years is, is yes, all I can say about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I wish she would have had opportunities like this when, when she was in school. I, I can only imagine yeah. um, the sort of sense-making it opens up for children, right? Yeah. And just holding space for them. Yeah, their um, their favorite topic to talk about, I do have to say, is grief and loss. I I think because they just don't often have a place to talk about death. So when somebody asks them to, they are all in and mm -hmm. um, really want to share their own experiences. And what was also interesting for me. When we would talk about well, what are what do you say to people when they're going through things like this, the, they too are already drawing on the cultural scripts that adults use. Um, you know, saying things like "I'm sorry," um, and so getting them to think about, okay, well, it, it might be okay to tell someone you're sorry for their loss, but what else might we be able to say to offer offer them? something that would be really meaningful in the in the face of their struggle. Erin, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. as as we wrap up our conversation, what is 
What's one or two things that you'd like to leave listeners with as kind of takeaways for their own journeys? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I'm coming to realize is that oftentimes we don't learn um, how it is that we are to grieve. For, For the most part, all of us are going to experience any set of losses in our lives, whether that be death the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, a divorce, a breakup, a loss of a home that we once knew, but we never really develop any skills for how to cope with those losses unless we go to therapy. And what I have been thinking about is, well, how might we educate people starting early on for how to actually cope with loss. And I think foundational to those coping mechanisms um, is the idea of learning to tell stories, to narrate one's experiences, not just through words, but through creative means that allow people to see what they're often not able to say. And so I I think that that is at the heart of my work and also at the heart of perhaps where, where we need to go in order to help people in the face of, of all the difficult things that life throws at us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And none of us leave the world without wounds. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you can create space for storytelling. And that storytelling can be very personal. And it doesn't have to be public, right? That can can be for you in an intimate setting. Mm -hmm. Erin, thanks for what you're doing. Um, Thank you. mm -hmm. Thank you for giving space to bring it to life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For listeners, thank you for joining Dr. Erin Willer and I on this episode of Defining Moments podcast. On our Facebook page, we provide links to some of Erin's written work, including the article we've discussed today. We also have links to the Scraps of the Heart website and Maddie Plum Studio Instagram. You can also learn more about Erin and her work on the Defining Moments Facebook at DM Podcast WOUB. Defining Moments is produced by WOUB Public Media and the Barbara Geralds Institute for Storytelling and Social Impact. Adam Rich is our co-producer. You can subscribe to Defining Moments at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the NPR Podcast Directory. Please follow us on social media at DM Podcast WOUB. If you're moved to do so, please take time to rate and review this podcast at Apple Podcasts. Go in peace and love one another. Thank you.